Volume One, Chapter Seventeen of *The Widow Barnaby* by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seventeen: Mrs. Barnaby takes possession of her lodgings and sets about making herself comfortable. She opens her plans a little to Agnes and gives her some excellent advice: the comfort of a midsummer fire, the apartment of Agnes set in order, a lecture on usefulness, virtuous indignation the following morning mrs peters took care without being particularly rude that a movement of some activity to speed the parting guest should be perceptible in her household mr peters took a very kind leave of both ladies at breakfast and expressed a very friendly wish of being useful to them as long as they should remain at clifton but his judicious lady who generally knew without any discourtesy how to make him perceive that his first impressions were somewhat less acute than her own had pointed out to him a few peculiarities in mrs barnaby which he certainly did not approve the principle of these perhaps was that of her rouging which for some time he steadfastly refused to believe declaring that her complexion was the most beautiful he ever saw but when his examination being sharpened he could withhold his belief no longer he ingenuously confessed he did not like it and allowed that though he thought it would be a great folly to lose the fine fortune she had promised them on that account he certainly thought he should feel more comfortable when the rouge pots were all gone into lodgings because they were articles he did not wish to put in the way of his girls as soon as mr peters had taken his leave the footman was very audibly instructed to order a porter to come for mrs barnaby's luggage and let it be before the hall dinner stephen that william may be able to walk beside the things and see that none of them are dropped by the way and then mrs barnaby was very kindly asked if she would like to send her maid to see that a fire was lighted in the drawing-room and that anything she wanted for dinner might be ordered in and then the thoughtful mrs peters proposed after betty jacks had been gone about an hour that james should go to the lodgings and that they should not set off themselves till he came back and gave notice that everything was ready and comfortable in short mrs barnaby her niece her maid and all their travelling baggage were safely deposited at number one scion row before the clock struck three the widow looked about her when she first got into her own drawing-room very much as if she did not know how she got there she was puzzled and mystified by the tactics of mrs peters delighted beyond all bounds of moderation in finding the family so infinitely higher in station than she had anticipated her first idea on perceiving what a land of milk and honey she had fallen into was to exert all her fascinating talents to enable her to stay there as long as possible but the conviction that this scheme would not take came upon her she hardly knew how she had not the slightest inclination to persuade herself that the dear margaret was otherwise than civil to her yet she felt as if she was being kept in order and neither go nor stay except as she might receive permission but finally she contrived to heal the wound her vanity had thus received by believing that mrs peters high fashion and superior knowledge of life naturally rendered her manners unlike any she had hitherto been acquainted with and consequently that she might occasionally mistake her meaning upon the whole however she began her clifton campaign in very good spirits the peterses must be extremely useful acquaintance and might be safely boasted of anywhere as dear and near relations this was very different from arriving as she had done at exeter without a chance of making a single acquaintance besides her dressmaker moreover she had got through the difficulty of throwing off her weeds admirably she had managed matters so that the dress of agnes should be perfectly respectable and yet cost her nothing for a twelvemonth she had just received a quarter's income without any deduction and to crown all she never was in better looks in her life 
short then was the interval of discomfort that kept her inactive on first entering her lodgings it was not quite such a drawing-room as that of mrs peters to be sure but it was the most fashionable part of clifton and with her management and admirable ways of contriving things she should soon make it extremely ladylike well now then we must set to work agnes she said drawing off her gloves come jerningham you must not stand looking out of the window child there is an immense deal to do before we can be comfortable and the first thing will be to get all our trunks up those that came by the wagon and those that came with us then i'm sure ma'am replied the waiting-maid i don't know where you'll find room to put em they must all be brought here jerningham to begin and when i have got all my own things unpacked we must see how we shall be off about drawers and closets and pegs and all that and then the empty trunks and boxes must be carried into your garret jerningham or into that little room inside mine that i mean to give up to agnes to me aunt how very kind exclaimed her niece delighted beyond measure at the idea of some place no matter what where she might be alone yes my dear you have not seen the rooms yet come with me agnes while jerningham goes down about the trunks and i will show you our apartments but what am i to do with them ma'am about the trunks said betty jacks in a fit of despair i am sure i can't carry em up anyhow then ask the people of the house to help you why there's only the old lady and one maid ma'am and i'm sure they can't and they won't mrs barnaby meditated for a moment and then drew out her purse here is a sixpence jerningham go to the next public-house and hire a man to bring up my boxes it is immensely expensive agnes this moving about and we really must be very careful of course my dear you do not want any dinner after the rodney place luncheon i took care to take a couple of glasses of wine on purpose and you should remember my dear that i have every earthly thing to pay for you and never neglect an opportunity of sparing me when you can after we have done our unpacking we can dress and go out to the pastry cooks there is hardly anything i like better than cakes and you can have a biscuit you know if you should want anything before tea the majestic lady then led the way to their apartments which consisted of a small bedroom behind the drawing-room and a very small closet with a little camp-bed behind that here my dear is the room i intend for you it is i believe generally used for a servant but i have been at the expense of hiring a garret for jerningham on purpose that you might have the comfort of this in fact that bed of mine is not larger than i like for myself and the drawers and all that are not at all more than i shall want so remember if you please not to let any single article of yours great or small be ever seen in my room i shall be puzzled enough i am sure as it is to find room for my own things you have a great advantage over me there agnes that fancy of yours for keeping yourself in deep mourning makes it so easy for you to find space enough for everything oh yes replied agnes joyfully everything shall be put into the closet what very pleasant lodgings these are aunt so much better than those at exeter it is such a nice closet this and i am so much obliged to you for giving it up to me i shall be always ready to make sacrifices for you agnes so long as you continue to behave well here come some of the boxes now then you must kneel down and help to unpack them it was a long and a wearisome task that unpacking and often did agnes as the sun shone in upon them while they performed it think of her pleasant walks with her new friends and long to breathe again the air that blew upon her as she stood on the top of st vincent's rocks mrs barnaby on the contrary was wholly present to the work before her 
and though she waxed weary and warm before it was completed her spirits never flagged but appeared to revive within her at every fresh deposit of finery that she came upon and again and again did she call upon agnes and jerningham to admire the skill with which she had stowed them at length the work was done and every disposable corner of her room filled under the bed over the bed in the drawers and upon the drawers not an inch remained unoccupied by some of the widow's personalities it was by this time so late that the cake scheme was given up and the drawing-room being restored to order the two ladies sat down to tea it was then that mrs barnaby's genius displayed itself in sketching plans for the future she had learned from mrs peters and the simple-minded elizabeth during their drive to and from bristol all particulars respecting the clifton balls and moreover that the peters family seldom failed to attend them this will be quite enough to set us going respectably people that come in their own carriage must have influence i trust that those stupid humdrums the wilmots gave you some dancing lessons agnes yes aunt you are always so short in your answers you never tell me anything do you think you could get through a quadrille without blundering yes i hope so aunt remember if you can't i shall be most dreadfully angry for it would destroy all my plans entirely i mean agnes that you shall dance as much as possible nothing extends one's acquaintance among young men so much i am not quite sure myself about dancing i don't think i shall do it here on account of dear margaret perhaps she might think it too soon i shall probably take to cards that's not a bad way of making acquaintance either but in all things remember that you play into my hands and whenever you have a new partner remember that you always say to him you must give me leave to introduce you to my aunt do you hear me agnes yes aunt replied the poor girl with an involuntary sigh what a poor stupid creature you are to be sure returned mrs barnaby in a tone of much displeasure what in the world can you sigh for now just at the very moment that i am talking to you of balls and dancing i wish to heaven you were a little more like what i was at your age agnes be so good as to tell me what you are sighing for i don't know aunt i believe i am tired tired and of what i should like to know come come let us have no fine lady airs if you please and don't look as if you were going to cry whatever you do there is nothing on earth i dislike so much as gloom i am of a very cheerful happy temper myself and it's perfect misery to me to see anybody look melancholy i declare agnes i am as hungry as a hound i don't like to ring for jerningham again she looks so horribly cross and i wish my dear you would just toast this round of bread for me mrs peters was quite right about the fire it is such a comfort and coals are so cheap here let me stir it up a little there now it's as bright as a furnace you can just kneel down in the middle here upon the rug agnes obeyed and after some minutes assiduous application to the labour imposed she presented the toasted bread her own fair face scarcely less changed in tint by the operation gracious me child what a fright you have made of yourself you should have held the other hand up before your face you are but a clumsy person i am afraid at most things as well as at satin stitch will you have some more tea my dear draining as was her habit the last drop into her own cup before she asked the question and then extending her hand to that genial source of hospitality the tepid urn no more thank you aunt i will go now if you please and take all my things out of your way and i shall make my closet so comfortable i dare say you will 
but stay a moment agnes if you find you have more room than you want do put my two best bonnet boxes somewhere or other among your things so that i can get at them so that jerningham can get at them i mean easily i will if i can aunt but i am afraid there will hardly be room for my chair however you shall come and see if you please yourself and then you will be the best judge but i will go first and get everything in order very well agnes you may tell jerningham to separate everything like mourning from my things and give it all to you and you must contrive my dear to cut and make up everything to fit yourself for i really can be at no expense about it it is perfectly incredible how money goes in this part of the country so different from our dear silverton however i will not grumble about it for i consider it quite my duty to bring you out into the world and i knew well enough before i set out that it could not be done for nothing but it is a sort of self-devotion i shall never complain of if you do but turn out well agnes was standing while this affectionate speech was spoken and having quietly waited for its conclusion again uttered her gentle thank you aunt and retired to arrange the longed-for paradise of her little closet darkness overtook her before she had fully completed her task but perhaps she wilfully lingered over it for it kept her alone and permitted her bright and innocent spirit to indulge itself by recalling all the delight she had felt in looking down upon the bold and beautiful scenery of the avon and she blessed heaven for the fund of happiness she was now conscious existed within her since the power of looking out upon nature seemed sufficient to produce a joy great enough to make her forget aunt barnaby and everything else that gave her pain a part too of her hours of light was spent in opening more than one of her dear little volumes to seek for some remembered description of scenery which she thought would be more intelligible to her now than heretofore and as spencer happened to fall into her hands it was no great wonder if his flowery meads and forest drear tempted her onwards till she almost lost herself among them at length however she had done all that she thought she could do towards giving a closet the appearance of a room and having stowed her tiny looking-glass out of the way and placed pens ink and a book or two on the rickety little table in its stead she looked round in the dusky twilight with infinite satisfaction and thought that were she quite sure of taking a long country walk about three times a week with the peterses she should be very very happy let everything else go on as it might having come to this satisfactory conclusion for a walk three times a week was an indulgence she might reasonably hope for she cast one fond look round upon her dark but dear solitude and then went to rejoin her aunt in the drawing-room and announce its state of perfection to her she found her seated at the open window what have you been about agnes all this time she said it is lucky that my cheerful happy temper does not make solitude as dreadful to me as it is to most people or i should be badly off living with you you are but a stupid moping sort of a body my dear i must say or you would have guessed that there was more to see at the front of the house than at the back of it i declare i never saw such a delightful window as this in my life you would never believe what a mall there has been here from the moment i took my place till just now that it's got almost dark and even now agnes if you will come here she added in a whisper but don't speak you may see one couple left and lovers they are i'll be bound for them here stand here by me no thank you aunt said agnes retreating i don't want to see them and i think it is more comfortable by the fire you don't choose to spoil sport i suppose but don't be such a fool and pretend to be wiser than your betters come here i say you shall take one peep i am determined 
and as this determination was enforced by a tolerably strong pull agnes yielded and found herself greatly against her inclination standing at the open window with her head obligingly thrust out of it by her resolute aunt the lamps were by this time lighted and at that moment a remarkably tall gentlemanlike looking personage passed beneath one that stood almost immediately below the window receiving its full glare upon his features beside him was a lady and a young one slight tall and elegant-looking who more than leaned upon his arm for her head almost reclined upon his shoulder and as they passed agnes saw his hand raised to her face and he seemed to be playing with her ringlets agnes forcibly withdrew her head while mrs barnaby threw herself half out of the window for a minute then drew back laughing heartily and shut down the sash that's capital she cried they fancied themselves so very snug but wasn't he a fine figure of a man agnes i never saw a finer fellow in my life he's taller than tate by half a head i am sure but you're right about the fire too for the wind comes over that down uncommonly cold i shall go to work for an hour and then have a little bread and cheese and a pint of beer mrs barnaby suited the action to the word and unlocked her work-box in which she found ready to her hand good store of work prepared for her beloved needle now only see agnes what a thing it would have been for you if you had learned to work satin stitch she said here am i happy and amused and before i go to bed i dare say i shall have done a good inch of this beautiful collar and only look at yourself what earthly use are you of to anybody i wonder you are not ashamed to sit idle in that way while you see me hard at work may i get a book aunt books 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 if there is one thing more completely full of idleness than another it is reading just spelling along one line after another and what comes of it now here's a leaf done already and wait a minute and you'll see the whole bunch of grapes done in spotting there is some sense in that but poring over a lot of rubbishly words is an absolute sin for just wasting the time that heaven gives us and doing no good to our fellow-creatures and the grapes thought agnes but she said nothing why don't you answer when i speak to you child did that stupid mrs wilmot never tell you to speak when you were spoken to what a different creature you would have been if i had had the placing you instead of that crooked frumpish old maid but i am sadly afraid it is too late now to hope that you will ever be good for much i shall be very glad to try to make myself competent for the situation of a governess aunt as you once mentioned to me replied agnes oh by the by i want to speak to you about that you are not to say one word on that subject here remember nor indeed anywhere till at such time as i shall give you leave it will be cruelly hard for me to have the monstrous expense of maintaining you exactly as if you were my own child and not have the credit of it and besides i don't feel quite sure that i shall send you out as a governess it must depend upon circumstances perhaps i shall get you married and that might suit me just as well all you have to do is to keep yourself always ready to go out at a minute's warning if i say the word but you need mention it to nobody and particularly not to my relations here very well aunt i will say nothing about it but in order to be ready when you say the word i think i ought to study a good deal and i am willing to do it if you will give me leave how you do plague me child about your learning push the candles this way can't you and snuff them when you see me straining my poor eyes with this fine work 
and do you know miss i think it's very likely those books you are so mighty fond of are nothing in the world but trumpery story-books for i don't believe you'd hanker after them so if they were really in the teaching line for after all agnes if i must speak the truth i don't believe you ever did pay attention to any single thing that could be really useful in the way of governessing now music for instance nobody ever heard you say a word about that and you ought to sing too if you weren't more stupid than anything ever was for both your father and mother sang like angels i can sing a little aunt said agnes there now isn't it as plain as possible that you take no pleasure in it though everybody said your poor dear mother could have made her fortune by singing but you care for nothing but books 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 and what profit i should like to know will ever come of that but i do care very much indeed for music aunt said agnes eagerly only i did not talk about it because i thought it might not be convenient for you to have an instrument for me but i believe i could learn to get my bread by music if i had a pianoforte to study with grant me patience and you really want me to go and get you a pianoforte which is just the most expensive thing in the world and that after i had so kindly opened my heart to you about my fears of not having money enough i do think that passes anything i ever heard in my life indeed aunt i never would have said a word about it if-if if what i should like to know heaven knows it is seldom i lose my temper about anything but it is almost too much to hear you ask me to my face to ruin myself in that way and you without a chance of ever having a penny to repay me pray forget it aunt indeed i do not wish to be an expense to you and will very gladly try to labour for my own living if you will let me mighty fine to be sure much you're good for aren't you i wish you'd get along to bed my temper is too good to bear malice and i shall forget all about it to-morrow perhaps but i can't abide to look at you to-night after such a speech as that there's the truth so get to bed that's a good girl as fast as you can there are some things too much even for an angel to bear agnes crept to her little bed and soon cried herself to sleep End of chapter seventeen